Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode. Now today we speak to Rob Balducci, New York native who is signed on Steve Vai's Favoured Nations label. Rob's a great guitar player. It's released several instrumental albums over uh, an amazing career. And uh, we talk about his latest, in particular, 821 Monroe Drive. Talk about his association with Ibanez guitars, Demacia pickups, all sorts of good stuff. One thing I love about Rob's playing is that he, you know, he can shred with the best of them, but he also can infuse a real bluesy uh, sense of phrasing and note choice all in the one kind of spot of music and he pulls some really cool tones he, he, uh, he's got just a beautiful fat screaming lead kind of tone um, but also can uh, mix it up with some really interesting use of effects and processing we listen to a few excerpts from that album uh, as the interview progresses but um, before, I, before I start the interview with Rob have a listen to this this is a little bit of a track called Creation 9 So, Rob Balducci, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Hi, how you doing? Thanks so much for, for having me on, Matt. Oh, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time. This is great. Um, so much to talk about, but from the beginning for you, when, when did you start playing guitar? I read, um, I read on your website you've been playing for about 27 years, so I'm guessing late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I started when I, was, uh, when, when I was around 11 years old. Okay, cool. Well, cool. yeah, you know... Nothing, to, you know, too serious at that point. My my sister, my older sister, had a acoustic uh, guitar, so I ended up picking it up, and you know, she showed me a couple of chords. But that's what started the the bug. <laughs> awesome. And when um when you started getting maybe you know a bit more developed or finding your voice, what what stuff were you listening to? What was what was the influence once you'd sort of found your feet? Well, you know, the, the the thing is, I so so I'm the youngest of four, so I had three older sisters and. The uh, basically, um, I was able to listen to their records, and you know the the age difference is quite you know wide. Uh-huh. So I'm the youngest. my oldest sister is you know in her sixties. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So she, I was turned on to like her record collections, you know. Um, and I started listening. I was really into the Rolling Stones, you know, first. So cool. like he was my first uh, was my first guitar, uh, you know you know that's who i wanted to be you know from 11 to yeah, 17 yeah. but you know then then the cross you know then then you know you start listening to that stuff at home and you know then the, your friends and stuff so that at that time you know besides being into the 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 older stuff like uh 
the, the Stones, also uh, Jimi Hendrix, and she had, you know, I still have the record. She had the first record, uh, Are You Experienced? So I have it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and uh, I also, for some reason, I like Chuck Berry. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember this, but like on TV, when I was a kid, they, on TV, they used to have these commercials where they had the, uh, where you could buy like these records that were like the best of records you can only buy them on tv sure sure and, uh, and there was this and i really got into i saw chuck berry you know my parents were watching tv and on some award show or something and i saw chuck berry and i was like wow this guy's cool and of course i heard the stones talking about him yes so uh i ended up ordering that record from the tv <laughs> <laughs> i still i still have that record too but i mean that was like early early influence that's what's really got me turned turned on and then from from my own you know, listening to my own stuff and from, you know, what was going on at that time, you know, anywhere from, you know, Kiss to, to Led Zeppelin, you know, uh, even, you know, I, I liked Ted Nugent really a lot at that point, you know, uh -huh. that, that live Lonzo record was, I thought was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's a good heritage. That's really interesting. Hey, I started guitar when I was 11. I'm a, a little bit older than you, but um, my older brother is six years older, so not quite the same gap, but he had a cool record collection as well. And, um, yeah, I think that's great if it's kind of seeping through the family and your stuff yeah. you're listening to. Cool. What was your first guitar? Well, my first guitar, well, I ended up taking over that my sister's, uh, I think it's called Sokovia Acoustic. Okay, yeah, yeah. My sister's uh, Sokova, S-E-K-O-V-A. So I kind of got a hand-me-down of her acoustic. Yeah. But uh, at I ended up getting my first electric guitar was was called the uh, it was a gibson but it was called the paul it's like oh, a yep. wood yeah it's a walnut guitar they only made for a cup you know for a certain run of yeah but i still see those so that's what i kind of you know shedded some shed some wood on that thing for a while awesome. <laughs> that's cool that's a pretty cool first electric i've got to say yeah yeah my you know what it was it was a it was uh it was a birthday it was a birthday gift from my godmother mm-hmm so she said, you know, you can go out. And she told my father, you know, you could spend a certain amount of money. So my father took me to Sam Ash in, in the city. And, you know, I was really into the stone, too. I was looking for like a, I was looking for like a telly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for some reason, the tellies were out of the, the price range that she told us we could get. Wow. So, and even, even the regular Les Paul was because, you know, so this was a stripped, this was supposedly supposed to be a stripped down version mm -hmm of a gibson so it didn't have like a really beautiful top or anything really plain yeah. black pickups walnut but it ended up with an ebony neck it ended up being a great guitar and i mean you know to this day a lot of people you know like that guitar because it's it was pretty interesting because of the walnut thing yeah absolutely that's a really different wood and um yeah that stripped down les paul it was before they were building the studios that right which is maybe a similar idea now although very different wood of course yeah cool and uh, what did you plug that into? Uh, I had a, I you know, I, I ended up getting this amp back. I don't know how I got it back years later, and then something went wrong with it, and I got rid of it. But uh, a Randall, um, it was like a 112 Randall. And it, I remember it had some really great overdrive on it. Awesome. That's rocking. And, I, used to, and I, I remember using the Distortion Plus. That was like my first overdrive box. Fantastic. <laughs> Little MXR box. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a fair bit of noise going into the Randall as well. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember plugging in. I really didn't understand that. I remember when I when I first got it. You know, everyone was talking about the Distortion Plus. Yeah. So I was like, I, you know, I ended up saving up some money and I got it. And I just could not understand like the sound that it made it so like fuzzy and dirty. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on at that time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll use it. I'll use it. <laughs> That's cool. Very cool. Uh, were you playing with any friends? Did you start any garage bands or things? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I started, I, I really, really ended up, you know, taking off, you know, with, with that kind of, at, uh, at that point, because, well, to be, you know, to, to, to be honest with, with, with you and everybody, what basically at that, there was a weird, kind of a weird period in my life at that point, because, you know, I started playing the guitar. And at the same point, around 11 years old, I came down with uh, type 1 diabetes. Oh, so, wow. kind of like a weird time to get it and everything. And uh, what, what, ended, what, I ended, what ended up happening, I think, is, you know, I spent a lot of my time, you know, playing the guitar. You know, it's kind of a rough thing to get go through as a, as a kid. Yes. So, I spent a lot of time playing. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up taking lessons from a local uh, store. Uh, called Larry Downs over here in Queens, New York, and uh, you know I was in my first band at 14, and I and I started teaching guitar like at 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Wow, wow that's awesome. Cool. So I, was, I was gigging at I was gigging at 14, 15. My uh, my dad uh, would have to, and these guys were older than me, so they were 18, 19. Yeah. So uh, my dad would have to be the chaperone, so he would take me, you know, into the clubs. <laughs> How did you get in though? Like, how's the underage thing? Did they sneak you in, or what's? No, that's that's why my father had to come. Okay, okay. My father was, uh, as long as the chef, my father was there, the clubs would let me in. Cool. That's so that kind of yeah. So that kind of to be like a came be, be, you know my father uh, my father was a big supporter of mine. I he, he uh, passed away. It's been almost two years now, but he was you know he started taking me to to my shows all the time and like really never stopped i mean I, I actually never got a license but in new york you really don't need it but my father used to drive me to all my sh <laughs> that's great that's so good so you shove the randall in the boot and off you go yeah very cool that, you know that of course that it was like that he, that he was we were fit marshals in there you know what i mean but <laughs> unreal and i guess if you're 14 and your bandmates are 18 i mean four years is not a lot of difference but when you're 14 it is a huge difference the big difference yeah they're the big kids wow yeah i think it was good because you know when you you know when you get into you get into bands with people that are older and you know if you surround yourself with better musicians you're going to get better you know yeah, absolutely. So it, definitely, it definitely helped me and it, the and uh i still i'm still in touch with the guitar player the, and the, the other guitar player in the band was uh tommy bolan from uh warlock oh wow cool so I, he was one of the guitar players in the band yeah so he taught me some 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 of my first uh, some some first riffs there. I think. Awesome, man. <laughs> what what kind of stuff were you doing? What sort of well, the thing is, he was he was into you know he was a, he was more into like you know some of the more modern stuff like you know and I listen I loved Van Halen and everything yeah. but I told I was like into the Stones so so our set was like the band was called Vision and I think the set was like all over the place. I wanted to do Stones, so we were doing Stones stuff, and I loved Sympathy for the Devil, so uh -huh. I did the, the Stones solos, and then Tommy would do the other, the other stuff, yeah, so cool. it, was, it was definitely, it was a cool time. Nice, that's a cool, that's a cool uh, 
bunch of tunes already. So with the um, with the Keith stuff, did did you realize he, he was using the open tuning for some of the stuff, or were you just banging it out in standard? I was just doing I was doing the standard stuff. Yeah, uh, I loved the the, uh, the some girls record so, and I loved respectable. So we used to do I made them do respectable. And, <laughs> I don't think Tommy was too into it. He was more like into Robin Trower and stuff, and, okay. and I wanted to do the Stones. So I would, I was happy doing my Stone solos. <laughs> so wait, what what year is this? This is um, this is early eighties. It's got to be, yeah, yeah, late, late. It's pro probably uh, I started. It's probably like the mid mid to late mid to late eighties, probably. Okay. I would think. Cool. Yeah, late eighties. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when when did the more modern kind of influence come in for you? Because if I you know I'm listening to your records and oh yeah, it's more of a shreddy well, thing as well as all those other influences. Yeah, well you know the the thing is like you know I, I was definitely into that that stuff that I told you and then you know you, then you know you start getting into more progressive stuff. I got I was very much into uh, I liked Rush a lot at one point. You know the early I lo I love like uh, all the worlds of stage and that kind of era. So I started listening to that, and uh, again with my sister stuff. The, the first instrumental stuff that really turned me on was like the, the Jeff Beck, the Wyatt record is one of okay. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. So you know that was kind of the, the influence. So you know it's all kind of started to meld meld itself together. You know as I got more uh, fluid on, on the guitar. Cool. So um, I read that I think it was around '95 you won a competition by was it guitar. For the practicing musician, was that the magazine? Yeah, cool. yeah. That that seems like a big breakthrough in your career. What what was that all about? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It was, uh, it, and I think it was ninety five was my first record. So this was probably like nine. I think it was nineteen ninety one, probably nineteen ninety. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, they, the guitar for the practicing was doing was doing was in partnership with I think it was Diodario Strings. Uh -huh. Marshall Amps, a um, couple of other like local companies, and they were doing uh, um, they were doing like this uh, New York's best guitar thing, and they did it at a club out on Long Island, and they had a bunch of you know you'd have to send a cassette in, and they would you know you playing or something, and, they, and then you would have to they would pick out of how many they must I heard that they got like a ridiculous amount, and they picked like twenty guys. And this, it was kind of weird, man. You had to go up there. You, it wasn't that you had to play anything. You had like three minutes to play, like you know, whatever. Uh huh. Backing track, no nothing. So we, we, you know, we had to go up there and we had to play. And you know, I remember going up there. You know, there was a lot of good players. You know what I mean? Some, you know, some good, some not, making noise and stuff. But uh -huh. uh, I had to go up and I did my thing. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, I didn't really think about it. You know, I wasn't the last one to go on, and the, and the and the the, uh, the contest, like, you know, was, all the players ended, and I was walking around. I was with my dad. Again, my father was there, yeah. and we were hanging out. And uh, all of a sudden, they announced, uh, they announced that uh, the winner. And, and I didn't know they announced the winner. I thought, like, I was a runner-up. And they said, you know, I heard my name. So they said, Rob, come up to the stage. So I go up to the stage. And like they had these like you know these these chicks there like you know ha with with all the guitars and stuff because you want a guitar and an amp so these ha they had these hot chicks there hanging out so I went up to the one and I was like oh so this is cool I said so so like what happened she goes you what you're Rob and I said yeah she was like <laughs> <laughs> so I was like oh that's great you know and uh, nice. so uh, you know I won that and uh, that was really cool because 
what it did was it, 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 you know, not that it was a big deal. I mean, come on, the best guitarist in New York, and how many guitar players there are in New York? But I mean, it was cool because it just gave me a little bit of like a, of something to talk about. And uh, you know, that was my first uh, meeting with uh, like Diodario Strings, who I'm I'm an endorser now. You know, yeah, cool. So that's when I met them, and his name was Don. I remember his name because I, I met him in uh, Dallas at the guitar show this year. His name was Don Dawson from uh, Diodario, and he was the judge. And uh, I ended up like staying in touch with him, and you know, and I got my Diodario endorsement. Fantastic! That's really cool. <laughs> I was skipping ahead with the dates. So '95 was your first album, which was Balance. Yeah. So. Um... I guess around that, you know, the guitar competition time, you, were you writing stuff that even then, instrumental stuff? Yeah, yeah, you know, I started, the, the Balance, Balance is probably my, you, you know, the, the, it was such a cool record for me because it came out in 95, but the stuff ranges, you know, I, I guess a lot of players do this, but I'm like one of those guys that like, back in those days before there was, you know, all the, the iPhones and everything, you know, you had little cassette players that had a four track and yeah. whatever, like, uh, I would just write. I would. I would put little bits and pieces down from when I was like 14, you know, and and up. So then it was time to do this own record. You know, we decided to do basically what I was doing was I was in bands, cover bands. Then I started to be in some original bands, and you know, there always seemed to be a problem with the singers in the bands, and you know, it's like lead singer disease they called it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm going to do, you know, the, the, the instrumental thing, you know, right back then, you know, at that point, you know, Jeff Beck was still big, Satriani was out then, and yeah. Steve, you know, so I was like, you know, that's what I'm going to do an instrumental thing. So uh, I went back and I started listening to the tapes and, 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 you know, that's how I started to write. That's where I had the material. That's where I started to write it from. Okay. And uh, even back then, you know, even though, uh, you know, it's guitar related. I still, my whole concentration really is songwriting, and I, you know, like the and and the, the the idea was to have the guitar be the the, the vocal point, you know, the the melody, uh, have a verse and a chorus and stuff, and then of course a solo, you know, section. But that's kind of the way I I, I, I tried started to write, and you know, that's what I continue to do. Cool. So, at what point do you get signed by Favored Nations, which is Steve Vai's label? Yeah. Um, well, what, what we did was I did the uh, I did the uh, the the balance record, and uh, it was distributed through uh, Red Distribution, which is uh, Relativity Records, part oh, okay. of Sony Music. Stuff. Yep. So that's what it was distributed through. It was an independent label, and you know, you know the, the way record labels are, you know, they, they 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 after my not you know not because of my record, but the 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 small little subsidiary record company they put out like maybe 25 records mine was one of the 25 sure. but then they stopped they stopped doing it so when it was time to do the next record you know i was like wow I need, you know i needed i gotta I gotta find the label you know um so i had started to write material and, and and again you know when you're like when you're doing this sort of independent thing it's not like there's a time limit on when you have to like i didn't, didn't say that i had to come out with a record in 96 or 97 but sure. so i took time to write and, uh, you know, by the time of the record, you know, I had the, the ideas done, you know, it was probably around 1998 or 99 or something like that. And, you know, I was still trying to find another label. And um, I heard that Steve Vai was doing the uh, was starting his own label, his favorite nations thing. And at that point, I was also 
working at Relativity Records, so I sort of had some contacts to okay. try and you know to get get to them. Cool. So uh, I sent um you know I sent the demo of it down to him, and uh, you know he was very you know nice about it. You know he's a nice guy and everything. You know I'm very lucky to to be able to. I ended up releasing a couple of records to him, but that one you know to be honest with you, his first his first reaction when it, uh, when he was talking to me he was like, well listen. You know, I'm just kind of starting the, the record comp this record business, and he says, you know, I never really did it before. You know, it's his first record label, yeah. and he so you know, I'm getting a lot of stuff in here, and he says, I I really think it's good playing, and I really like the material. He says, I just don't know, you know, you know, if it's something that that we're going to be able to do at this point. So I said, well, I says, listen, if you can't do it, it's not a problem. I said, really, thank thanks a lot, and then uh, it was a weird thing. Then like maybe like. A couple of months later, you know, he ended up getting in touch with me, saying that uh, second thought he want he, he he you know what I think it was not to say anything bad I I think that there's so much you gotta realize there's so many guitar players out there sending stuff in yeah of course and there's a lot and not to say anything against anybody but but you know I was in the record business so I knew what comes through and you get a lot of you know what I mean <laughs> so mine maybe stuck out a little bit over some of the crap that he was getting and he said well you know what this stuff ain't that bad i guess i should maybe we'll put it out <laughs> so uh he ended up putting it out we did like a test release in japan yeah of it of the second record which is called mantra and um then you know then we released it in in, uh, in europe and and then that we started to release it you know in in all over the place that's and great. that's that's sort of, and that's sort of how it started, which was, was which is really great for me, you know. Uh, so I was one of the first people that they that, that Favorite Nations released, and uh, you know I ended up doing three more uh, three records in total with them, which I think is the, I'm the only artist that has that he released that many records from. Yeah, wow, that's fantastic. so cool. To yeah, it's amazing because the roster of artists on that label is is crazy. I mean, Steve I, of course, is. You know, putting his own stuff through there, but there's guys like um, Andy Timmons, who we spoke to yeah. a couple of weeks ago, um, Steve Lucas, Vernon Reed. Yep, that's good company to be in, Rob. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and you know, I ended up, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to to be able to, you know, talk with these guys, and I, you know, a lot, of, I, except Steve Luke, though, I, you know, I met Steve a couple of times, mm -hmm. and I, and I love him. I haven't been able to perform with him yet but I, I would really like to do that but me and andy did some shows together i did some shows with with, uh, with vernon reed and i mean cool. they're, they're really you know both really really nice people yeah right yeah andy was lovely to talk to for sure so, yeah good guy good guy great player um yeah you've shared the stage with some really cool people i think i've seen some clips of you jamming with guthrie gavan as well yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I, that that came about. You know, I was the first ones with uh, with Cornford amps. You know, what I mean, there, there was uh, Cornford came out. Guthrie and uh, a guitar player by the name of Jamie Humphreys were like really working with uh, Cornford at the at that point. And okay. uh, and uh, Richie Cotton was the other big name that they had yeah, at that yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, he saw me play. In, I, I played in London, and Paul happened to be like to show. It was another Gemfest thing. I went there for some shows, and Gemfest made Gemfest part of it. And uh, Paul had like a, a kind of a booth set up, Paul Cornford. And uh, I went up there with my band. And uh, after the show, you know, this was probably around 2003 or 2002. And uh, 
he came up to the stage after 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 I played in his uh you know everyone was having a, was banging a few back and he was like hey Rob he says you gave me a hard on with your set <laughs> that's what he said to me and I was like I, I guess that's a good thing right <laughs> so I guess. Then, uh, yeah so then we started talking and uh I was like listen I love the amp you know what I mean and he was like and I said, you know, I have a couple more shows here in the, in in uh, the UK. He says, I said, you know, could I take it for the for the sh for the show? And he says, yeah. So I ended up taking the rig with me, and then that's when my started. So I was with them, and you know, I got to meet some really good good people. I got to meet Guthrie and Jamie and and Richie uh, Cotton, and um, you know, I ended up being able to play with going on some dates with Richie Carton, which was which was a highlight for me, which was really, really great time. Yeah, awesome. So hey, I guess so then being signed by by Steve Vai and all these and working with all these great people, it must be very um affirming as a as a player. Is it um is it a little scary knowing Steve Vai's gonna have a listen to your record and Yeah, for sure yeah, for <laughs> sure. No, it definitely is. I mean you know, but as as it definitely is, uh, it's it's a humbling thing that that uh, you know, and I, and I feel fortunate enough that I was able that that he, uh, you know, he put my stuff out. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to be able to play with these guys. You know, like uh, Richie, I, I've been a fan of since that first release, and yeah, he's cool. a real nice person as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone, you know, most of the musicians that you meet, and, and you could probably verify this because you talk to a lot of people. A lot of people are really, are really, you know, down to earth, nice people. So it's really good when, when uh, you know, and and it's good for me because to be around, maybe being able to play with these guys, and then they see me play and they like it as well, and and they tell you, you know, it just gives you a little boost, you know, because the industry is so hard. It, it it's something to think about that, you know, keeps you going, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone, you know, like it's taught to. Uh, I just good guys but just passionate about the guitar and passionate about other people doing great stuff on guitar as well so it's um yeah it's cool it's cool i was talking to uh johnny balmer last week he's um he works at alchemy audio in um in chicago and he works with a lot of sort of big names in adverted commas for the podcast but um yeah his his theory is that once once people get to a certain level there's there's um uh just a confidence and um, just a lack of perhaps competition you know people are confident in who they are and secure in what they're doing and you know usually just love, so. love to make music yeah. and that's the bottom line yeah Alchemy Audio I think I, I have something they do mods right yeah 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 I have a, I have their uh, their modded um, Boss NS2 oh cool awesome it's good. It's good. they do good work there you go g'day Johnny little shout out there for you <laughs> that's cool uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, on the other end, you know, I think it makes, I'm the type of guitar player, you know, you know, and I do this like when I, when I do uh, clinics and, and masterclass stuff is, the thing is, as far as the having, a, I'm not really the type that's uh, like, you know, I, I my confidence level is, I tell people you got to be confident. You gotta. There's two things about being confident. There's there's two ways to look at it. You have to be confident to be able to go and perform. So when you go and perform, there's a certain attitude that you have to have when you hit the stage and you're playing stuff. But as far as being confident in your ability, you know, saying like you know, oh, you know, like 
uh, what I'm trying to say is like I really think that you can't think that you're that great because then you're never going to improve. So sure. I always take the underside where you know there's so many things that I still have to learn about the guitar that I still you know I'm a I'm a student. I'll always be a student. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So you can't have the the you can't have that attitude. You know? Sure. Does that might make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's very cool. Um, like, can we talk about your latest record? Yeah. It's uh, 821 Munro Drive. Great record. I've been really digging it. It's cool. Thank you. Thank you. The, um, the album title's got quite a personal meaning. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Sure. Sure. Yeah, this is, you know, the, this is what, you know, every, everyone likes their newest material and they say, you know, everyone's new album they're going to say they, the, the artist is going to say they their best but i yeah. you know i really do think it's it's a big you know uh acc accumulation of like everything that i do you know what i mean each with each new song with each new record you get better as a songwriter you get better recording you get used to being in the studio more you know you, you're more attuned to tones and stuff so i think this is like a it's a pinnacle record for me because it's sort of everything you know all, or everything at its peak at one at the, at the at the right point, and um, you know the record, you know the inspiration behind the title and the record itself. You know, I tried to think it's kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the interview, yeah. where you asked me what I was into when I was growing up and stuff. And yeah. H. Monroe Drive is a house that uh, was my parents, uh, my mother's parents' house. Okay. Uh, and my mother still in the family, yeah. and I used to go there as a little as a as a kid, you know, from like you know, when I from when I was born until you know, like two years ago, you know what I mean? I'm still going there. So when I was a teenager, from like that 11 year old to 15 year old, we would go. I would be staying at this house, and that's sort of when I was like really into, you know, playing the guitar and the wood shedding and everything, and. Yeah. Uh, that's why the record is called that. And, you know, there's a lot of influences on there, you know, that, that you could hear in certain songs that, that, I, that I think uh, I tried to, you know, think about what the, the, the guys that got me excited in the first place. So, you know, from Jimmy Page to, uh, you know, or, or everyone that I really liked and tried to get it somehow, mm -hmm. you know, in my and started to write songs, you know, that inspired me. Yeah, awesome. The title track, um, you mentioned Hendrix before, and the rhythm parts have got very much that Hendrix kind of vibe. Definitely. Definitely. That's nice. thing with your playing in, in that track but in a lot of the tracks there's a very modern 
a very modern vibe and you're pulling some great tones which which i'd like to talk about as we go but um there's always some very bluesy phrasing that sticks out in uh, pretty much every tune you know, amongst some of the more shreddier stuff yeah where, where yeah does, for sure where does that come from well you know I, like i said i i think that it, it's you know again i started playing you know more in a in a bluesy era like you know like uh, i talked about the stones keith richard yeah, was yeah. a fan really into mick taylor who's okay. got a very blue sense to him um so does jeff beck you know so those are early influences mm -hmm. but um you know I, I, again i it's a big combat it's a big accumulation my style of stuff that i've listened to and um you know with the with the writing and, and especially with the solos i think what happens with some of the stuff is uh i have this thing that i do when i when i try and you know it's so as all as far as the guitar play is concerned you kind of get into this rut where you know we and we all do it where you know i play the same thing every day when i pick up a guitar you know mm -hmm. first thing i do as i hit a power a power chord you know and i do <laughs> same freaking riff when i plug the guitar in all the time yeah you know what i mean so we were all like in this habit thing and to try and write different stuff and, and different material and, and more melodic stuff i tend to try what i do is when i'm when i know i have to solo over a part what i'll do is i'll write i'll record it now and i'll loop it and then i'll put it on something and then i'll try and hum the solo okay cool and into the, into the recorder you know now you could do you could do it on voice messages on your phone you sure. know what i mean and you know I'll have the thing playing and i'll hum you know what i think would be going over that and then you know i listen back to it and if i like a little section then i'll go and pick up the guitar mm -hmm. and and transpose it to the guitar okay which is cool so what ends up happening is you, you kind of get out of your boxes and, and what you usually play out of because you're not thinking that way when you're humming it um and it, it really makes good you know so so a lot of the solos are a combination of that technique and then with the technical side and it mixed together yeah cool i love that idea i love that idea of uh yeah getting what's in your head or your heart and then getting it to the guitar yeah. later yeah yeah the the melodic sense is is cool throughout the album so again earlier you mentioned um more like a songwriting vibe you know the verse chorus solo where the melody is very important that's that definitely sticks out thanks cool uh, what other tracks can we talk about so many good tracks three words is really interesting it's almost got like a folk kind of a vibe what's is there um <laughs> is there some sort of influence there some sort of background no you, you know what the, you know what the thing is that it's weird you know when i sent when i sent the uh i sent these tracks uh when i finished recording it to, to steve i mm -hmm. so he could so he could uh hear it and, and uh get his I, I could see what he thought about it and that was one of the songs he wrote back about. He the, the two he he liked the record, but the two particular songs he mentioned was he, he mentioned three words, and he said he thought it sounded like a like a Christmas tune. Okay, <laughs> okay, yep. And then he said that he liked, uh, which is another one of my favorites, was Castle in the Air, which he liked the tone on the guitar in in that in that one. Um, but three words, I mean, three words. The, the meaning behind three words is uh, is basically. The three words are "I love you," and the thing is, yeah. some people, and I'm including one of them, sometimes have a hard problem saying those words. Sure. So, the, so that's kind of, sort of what the song is about. It's basically was dedicated. That song is dedicated to my wife, mm -hmm. and so 
the vibe behind it. To me, the the the, the um, it's sort of I think it's sort of like a uh, almost has like that three that waltzy type of feel to it. Definitely, yeah. Is what, is what kind of like I, what I heard, mm. and and that 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 kind of pulse that that one two, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, I think maybe that's what makes it maybe kind of feel a little folks. Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. And the harmonic content too, you know, it's very one yeah. one four five. In the in the three four section, then you go into more of a I know it's more of a, a aggressive metal almost six eight kind of part and yeah. it ends up in yeah, four that, so that, again. Yeah, you know the six the six eight thing yeah, yeah, um, yeah. right before the solo break. Yes. That is you know, that thing is is you know, I was telling you about like the, the, the um Influences, that's a, a rush kind of thing to me. Castle in the Air, you mentioned. Um, there are some great tones on that. You um, let's talk about a couple of them. You're you're a fan of the phaser, obviously, on some of your clean rhythm parts. Yeah, yeah. That that was the that was the the, the classic phase ninety in there. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. I saw I saw um, a few pictures of your pedal boards, and there's often the phase ninety or the is it the EVH? The, the it's One's... the the EVH, and then I have a. Um, I have a it's it's a company called EWS that do modded uh, okay cars. Uh, so I, I it's either one or the other that I'm that I use. Nice, yeah, very cool. There's a really um, in that tune you play the head, um, and then I think on the repeat there's a really cool auto wah kind of thing going on on that. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the Keeley um, neutrino, okay. Robert Keeley's pedal. That's a really cool pedal. Nice. Yeah. And it's done, yeah, especially, you know, it's on the clean tone, yeah. and it kind of gives this really kind of kind of vowel-y, vocally type of thing in there. I thought, I liked it a lot. Yes. And and if you, later on in the tune, uh, on the rhythm parts, it's done on, with overdrive. Okay. And on cool. one, it's kind of mixed in. It's, it's definitely a very cool uh, effect.
also using like old school wah on some other things. So I like how you're, you're taking some subtle but fairly noticeable differences in similar ideas. That's cool. Yeah. Can I ask, I might be totally wrong and tell me if I am, but it sounds like some of the parts on the album, obviously there's, there's a bunch of harmony parts. Sometimes it sounds like you're obviously tracking different guitars, but sometimes it sounds like you're using a harmonizer. Is that is that true? All the all the tracks were were done. No harmonizer was used, so it's oh, all okay. guitar. Yeah. So I, I'm totally wrong. So <laughs> the reason yeah, I say like, that, you know, you know, like in three words, yeah. you know, you, you so those are two guitars, and those are two guitars. Yeah. I, my, my idea for that song was there's no there's no rhythm guitar in that song, so yes. it's just bass drums, and then there's two guitar parts. One kind of pans a little bit on one side, and one pans the other. And they play similar stuff, but at points they go off and they do harmonies with it. Yeah, so, you know stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, I, I'm you know I used to put a lot more. Uh, each one of my records kind of got as it as I record it gets gets streamlined a little bit. But I always do two guitars tracks and stereo at the same time. So like okay. I record, I have a, a, a old Marshall and I have a Cornford cabinet. Um, and I put a, a mic on each of them, and then it goes into my. Uh, I use a Vintec mic pre, and then it goes straight into Pro Tools. Okay. So every track, whether it's lead, solo, or anything, always has two tracks. Okay. So then I could I could do one. I could tune, you know, EQ one a little bit differently. I could yep. put effect on the other, and then it's mixed in together. So it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, nice. Yeah, the lead tones are super fat and creamy, and they're big. Oh, man. They sound great. <laughs> the, reason, the reason I wondered was a har- if it was a harmonizer because sometimes the two parts are going off in different directions and they feel yeah. not looser but yeah they're, they're heading off separately and then others are very very tight some of the harmonies so well you know see some of it could be you know you know, you know what it is I, I, to be honest with you is uh, a lot of the stuff when I'm recording is is you know half the half the the lead and even the melody stuff is improvised okay yeah so what happens is if i have to go back and 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 uh and i have to harmonize something it's you know i i kind of did it and if i don't do it right away and i go back later i don't freaking remember what i played <laughs> <laughs> so then i go back and i do it so that's probably the inconsistency <laughs> and then there's other times where maybe i'm, I'm maybe i'm more on okay. and it comes it comes out better <laughs> Oh man, I'm reading it all as an artistic choice. Don't worry. It's... Yeah, no, it's true though. I mean, it's yeah. true because now in Pultures you could you could you could correct every little thing. But you know, I, I'm not really I'm not really I don't really do that. I mean, if, of course, if something is really off and I want to keep it, I'll correct it. But sure. I'm not really the one that after it's done. You know, a lot of guys go in there and they micro connect every little yeah, thing yeah. and. That's too much work. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, it's definitely. I think it's definitely vibier if you, yeah, a little bit loose. Obviously, you want to put together good performances, which you're doing definitely. But um, yeah, no, there's it's, there's a good vibe as well, which I think I think you found a good mix. How about <laughs> um, ruled by the moon? The those kind of feedbacking guitars at the front. Is that a sustainer, or are you just in front of an amp going nuts? That's yeah. That that's that that's funny, man. That that, that record. That one, I remember that. The the the, uh, the all the guitar parts uh, were done in in this room. So yeah. this is like my studio room. So 
uh, basically what, what, what I ended up doing was um, recorded feedback to one guitar. Mm-hmm. So there's like, three, I think there's three different guitars going yeah, on, man. Yeah. You got, it's three different feedbacks, but there, that means that there's, you know, two, six tracks mm-hmm. because I recorded everything two times. Yeah. So, so uh, I ended up, you know, because the, because the cabinets are in the in the closet, you can't really get the feedback like you really want. Uh-huh. So then, what I ended up doing is I have more cabinets outside there that are in this right here in this room to the left. Okay. So then I put I brought the you know the heads out here already. So I mic these cabinets yep. and I just turned up like you know to, you know, ridiculous ridiculously loud and then stood here and you know tried to get the you know got the right feedback but you know some good there's good feedback and there's bad feedback so you have to get it has to tell the right way so you know we were in here you know my my buddy uh this guy steve simonson who co-produced it with me in engineering his ears were getting blown out because you know (laughs) (laughs) that was a lot of fun doing that track Sounds fun. So yeah. So the neighbors are like, yeah, Rob's tracking a new album. <laughs> they, they better get. The, I think they're used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, there's another tune with a great sustainer um, solo. Which which one is this? I'm thinking of. Oh, I'm trying to think. Creation Could Nine. That be... Was that the one? Creation Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Um, that's actually the. Uh... That's a, an Ibanez that I have that I put the uh, Fernandez sustainer in it. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, and if you notice, it's cool because again, it's not it's it's on a clean tone. When you use the sustainer on a clean guitar, it sounds really cool. Yeah, That's what that yeah. is. I was gonna say, like an Ebo, if you put it on a clean tone, it's it it sings. On a distorted tone, it's it's a little, it's still cool. It's different, but yeah, it's it's a great tone on that tune you're pulling. Yeah, and that, that and that was you know that. Uh, that Creation Nine is sort of, uh, is to me is a is a Floydy kind of influence, especially the chords, you know, that are going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Cool, very cool. And um, you seem to do um, you switch a little bit between legato and alternate picking in some of the solo part. It seems like you're pulling out different. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you know. My playing is a big uh, is a big you know. Co- mush together of that, those techniques you know earlier on in my career i was very much you know like like a lot of us you know you're very worried about trying to pick fast and you know all that kind of stuff so i was very much alternate picking all the time then you know you, you kind of like you, you know you, you're i guess as you get as, as mature as a player you know to me i'm not really that, that's more of a, a good term for it like I'm, I'm maturing as a player so the thing is 
I don't know. To me, the, I don't think it really was ever that important in my songwriting. But like, I'm not really, I don't really care about the speed too much anymore. Sure. I want the song to be good, and I want the vibe to be good. So now, you know, I'm trying to mix the two together. When and when it has, when it has to have a shreddy thing, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't need to be all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a cool tone though. Like, if you, it's it's so different. The attack of the alternate versus the legato stuff so when you mix it up that's that's a cool tone i think if there are some players who are known for their legato stuff um but if that's all you hear that's just a particular voice yeah it's got a different way t- yeah so yeah i like that i like the mixing it up it's cool thanks so you mentioned ibanez tell me about your relationship with them yeah ibanez god i mean i've been you know ibanez and my first three endorsements were Ibanez, were first Diodario, mm-hmm. uh, Demarzio, and and uh, and Ibanez. So I've been with those guys. Ibanez, it's got to be since since around '92. Wow. With Ibanez. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, so you know, we developed a good relationship. You know, I, I my my thing about Ibanez, and, and I, this is really with everyone that I endorse. Really, I, I use the stuff before. You know the. The, the way this industry is, you know, it could be really horrible with endorsements. People just try to get you know, – I'm not really like that. I mean, I, whatever I use, if I like it, then, then – and then I'm, and I'm fortunate to be able to endorse it with, with the, the people and the company that do it. That, that's like icing on the cake. But I'd be yeah. using the stuff anyway. You know what I mean? Sure. But sure. we – I started with, with them, or, or, you know. And you know the way endorsements start. It's, you know, you, you work up to it. I've been there a long time. You know, so start with you know with your normal endorsement where it's like a you know you get a reduced cost and it was like that for a long time, yeah. and then as you go on, you kind of it kind of develops into other things. And you know, I'm fortunate enough too that I ended up being able to do some nice guitars through their through, through the custom shop that they have in Los Angeles. Yeah, nice. So a lot of I kind of like you and I featured them on the you know on the back of the new record. If you see that there's like three guitars, and I think there's it's even on the I think it's even on the disc. Those are like three of the the uh, the the three of the co- of the LACs that they did for me, and it's kind of nice because I'm able to pick the woods and the colors and yeah. stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, cool. They're very distinctive. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I the, the cool thing about Ibanez is, and and you know, and, and all those companies is that there's so many, you know, every there's so many musicians out there, and I think it says a lot about companies that stand behind artists that are, are you know because when you're when you're a, when you're a platinum artist you know like prince and, the, and whoever yeah. you don't need to get to be endorsed by them you can use whatever the hell you want yes so the whole idea you know about companies getting behind struggling artists independent artists mm-hmm. i think that says a lot about the the companies you absolutely know? yeah you look at ibs a lot of their guys have been there a very long time i think I think the George Benson models just turned 40 or something, which is yeah. incredible. So, but yeah, for you, that's a very long run, early, early nineties. Yeah. When, when you go to the custom shop, cause your guitars, um, I guess they're loosely based on an RG kind of style. What, yeah. what do you do at the custom shop that, that sets them apart from an off the shelf Ibanez? Well, what, what I try and do is the first thing I do is, you know, when I get guitars, I try not to get this. Like I don't want to get the same guitar because meaning the same wood or anything. Because the whole idea is to try and get different tones. Sure. So I make it my business. So like I have 
a green, like a, a really nice green burst guitar that's mahogany with a with a curly maple top, mm-hmm. and then I have another guitar that's a basswood with maple, another guitar that's just basswood. I have a swamp ash one. I have an alder. So for my first thing is to think about tone wise something different that I that I already have. Okay. Uh, then you know the the design comes from you know playing over the years like I'm I, you know. The, I, I like the, the, the switches to be a, a bit lower so it, it doesn't get, uh, it, your hand doesn't hit it, your right hand doesn't hit it while you're picking. Yeah, yeah. So they're not down. Um, another idea I, you know, that I came up with with them, my idea was that, like on these guitars, is, I don't know, can you see that? Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the dots are on the treble side. Okay, yeah. So that was my idea to do with, with the custom shop is that you know, when you you already have the, the the side dots on your on all guitars at the top, mm-hmm. so all companies, for instance, for for some reason, they do bass side offset dots. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you're standing and you're playing on stage, you can't see the offset. You're looking really at the side notes, yeah, sure. but you you can see the top frets. Mm-hmm. So my idea was to put them on the the treble side. So like little things like that, the, you know, the the the, the neck shape is a, is, is a little bit different and a, a big thing that I came at, that I ended up doing with them and they thought I was crazy what was uh, <laughs> let me show you was um, was, was is this a lot of guitars have them but they're not as you see that big balloon at the, at the back oh, that's huge so so basically when it, when I was doing the thing I, I told them about the uh, you know there's like these sheets that I would send them and fill out and I would be like you know I need that balloon so big that I could shove it up somewhere, basically. <laughs> That's what I said. So, uh, so, so each one... What's the point? What's the point of the big balloon, well, apart from your head not snapping off? Well, the, yeah, is because the more... the more what I've, what I've come to find out is the more mass that you have in the neck, the more that you have sustain that you have. Okay, yeah. So it's almost like, you know, people used to get that metal thing and put it on. Uh, yes. Just, you know, like it's really just... Like something. Yeah, it's just to get a mass over there. So why not have the mass be wood, right? It would be better. Yeah, it's already so, vibrating with the rest of the neck because it's. Right. It is. So I started making these, asking them to do these big balloons. Each one, I have one that's even bigger than that. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, it definitely serves a purpose. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that, but it makes so much sense. That's awesome. <laughs> could could I grab a screenshot of that? Could you hold that up again? Yeah, yeah sure. Oh my goodness. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Thank you. Thank you. I'll set uh-huh. that up on our on our page. Um, yeah, obviously uh, listening to the podcast people don't know what we're talking about, but when you see this this balloon, that's incredible. That's such a great <laughs> idea. So simple but but cool. Yeah, I noticed the yeah. pickup switch sometimes you put it a bit more in between the pickups and, and down a little. Are you is that for access yeah. as well as being out of the way? Yeah, it's out of the way, and also for for you know when, when you're playing, it's easy. It's easy, like if you're playing, right? Yeah. And it's over here. It's very easy. You know, it does still not in the way because it's over here, not yep. really where you pick it. But it's you can very you can move it very quick. Yeah, without moving your picking hand, so you keep in position. Right. Nice. How about the pickups? You mentioned Damasio. What what sort of Damasio yeah. stuff are you using? Well, Demarzio, De, De you know, my my favorite pickup with Demarzio, I, I love a lot of them. My favorite seems to be, for a while, was a, a pickup called the Steve Special. Mm-hmm. 
and um, named after Steve uh, Blucher, who's who's one of the main guys, you know, yeah. at DeMars. Yeah. Um, and I really like the pickup. It's, it's one of the only pickups. I think there's one other pickup, I, and I, I don't remember the name, that you could actually, tur- you know, you put the pickup in the, the, the way it's supposed to go. But if you turn this one in, and you put it upside down, mm-hmm. it still functions, and it, and it gives you a little bit more bass response. Okay. Oh, uh, I really like that pickup, and you know, it's not super, super. I'm not really into the super, super high output. Yeah. Um, because I think that uh, if your pickups are too, too much, that basically you're getting the sound of the pickup. The whole idea is supposed to be the the pickup supposed to supposed to be a combination. Your tone should be strings, pickup, wood. Yeah. You know, guitar, amp. You know what I mean? Sure. So if the pickup is like blasting, that's really you're getting that sound. Yeah. So. I kind of stick with that, and, and um, uh, recently I, I started using the uh, the transitions, which is this, uh, the Steve Luke of the pickups, okay. where you know you talk to him, he wanted to go more to a, a more raw, natural, uh, you know, sound, which is similar, you know, more organic sound yeah. where it's not too too much. Sure. And because uh, he was a um, he was an EMG user for a long time, he finally came back to yeah. to passive pickups. So. Yeah. Cool. And. Uh, what else? I also like the uh, most most recently in, the, in, the, in the, my newest guitar. I have the uh, I have the transition and the bridge, and I like the I, I went back to using the PAF Pro in the neck. It's a great oh, yeah. pickup. Mm. You know? Because on the, it's got a little bit more. If you notice pickups lately, they they uh, because you know with the guitar they, they they like to push the mids mm-hmm. in in a lot of the pickups, and and the, the PAF has uh, a little bit more of a treble spike, which is good for keeping the low strings to be a little bit more, you know, cutting through. Okay, cool. Yeah, I play yeah. a PAF. One of my guitars got a PAF. I love it. The old... It's great. The old standard. Not too hot output either. Quite a moderate output, so you still, you know, keep the tone of your amps or your pedals or right. whatever. Cool. So how about amps? You mentioned um, your Cornford and was it a Marshall as well you're using? Well, not not any, not anymore. I, I was endorsed with Quantum for a long time, but you know they they're, they're not in business anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I recently now have been endorsed with uh, uh, just this is just like as of uh, this year, you know, basically okay. with uh, with DV Mark amps. Oh, okay, cool. So they, they've been really cool. Um, that's so the uh, that's the Italian company. A lot of yeah, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of great players using their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I hooked up with them at, at NAM, and um, I really like it. I, I, I like uh, I, I have the Marigold head, for, which is uh, Greg Howes, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. They also are doing these like very small. They're kind of like leading the edge on these really small guitar heads that are like you know they have ones called the Micro Fifty. Uh-huh. It's really small, and they have they're coming out with a new one, which is a two hundred and fifty watts transistor. Yeah sounds unbelievable um so i've been definitely using those in combination with you know the other stuff the other stuff that i use i i also use a uh i've been with them for a while now is uh an amp uh, a company called um atomic amps and they make a a thing called amplifier pedal yeah which is great i've I've been using those so my sound is a combination of those things put together cool very good. Yeah. So your live rig, I know you've got a gig coming up in a couple of days. Um, what, what's your live rig look like? 
Uh, well, I go uh, in. I'd like to go stereo in stereo now. So, mm-hmm. and I, you can do it a lot with a lot less uh, having to carry stuff around. So I'm using these two DV Mark two by twelve. They're called Neo Classic cabs. Okay. And I mean, you you could pick it up with your pinky. They are so light. Awesome. Uh, so like, it's so easy to carry, you know. And and so people move them. You could, you know, you could you could have two two hot chicks moving your equipment. <laughs> They're so light. That sounds like a theme, Rob. That seems like a theme yeah. in your career. What's going on? So I use uh, I use uh, two DB marks on, yeah. on each side of the stage, and um, I probably will use uh, I think I'll use either the uh, the marigold head in combination with the with my pedals. Okay. The amplifier mixed in, or I'll use this thing which is called a rack head that they have called a multi amp. Again, in combination with everything else. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's good. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy. Like I, I uh, you know, my board, you know, it keeps keeps kind of shrinking. You know, like on my board, I have, uh, I'm endorsed with Morley, and I, that's another one. Like again, all these companies with, I've been for years. I, I use a Morley Wah. I have uh, Digitech Whammy. Of course, my friends over at Keeley. I have the Keeley um, Monterey pedal, which if you haven't played that yet, it's amazing. Uh-huh. A Phase 90, yep. and a Tube Screamer. Cool. And, and that's kind of it. Good times. Yeah. Excellent. So your gig coming up this week, who's um who's in the Rob Balducci band? Well, I have two guys that I've been uh, very you know fortunate to play with. We've, we've been playing together now for a couple of years together. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Drums is Kenji Tajima. Yep. And bass is Andrew Golba. And uh, he plays a he plays a six string bass, um, and there's no there's no rhythm guitar. So I'm I've always been you know a big believer in the in the uh, in the trio. Cool. You know what I mean? Nice. And the, and the cool thing is you know as you listen to my records, you know the uh, there's a lot of guitar parts, but you know we we can we put you know. I don't, I'm a big believer in like you know like from like not that I'm comparing myself to Led Zeppelin, but Led Zeppelin had how many freaking guitars on the record when it was live yes. it was just your, right live experience should not be a, uh you going to see hear the cd live sure well you've already got the cd what's the point i know so me live it's it's going to be we're going to make the songs work and they're going to sound different but it's still going to be there and again i think if the strong's are strong enough you should be able to play the song on an acoustic guitar you should still transcend into what it's supposed to be yeah awesome <laughs> so man. So we're gonna we're gonna have fun. We, but these guys are great. I mean, it takes a lot. Uh, you know, I, I really the, the bass the bass player uh, Andrew has a lot to worry about because you know sometimes he's not only he's playing the bass uh, that lines that are in in on the CDs, but he's got to do like a combination of some of the rhythm guitar parts behind my solos and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's really you know yeah, he plays cool. a six string, and uh, he's you know without 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 him you know the whole thing would fall apart, you know? Wow, cool. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds awesome. What's, um... And drum, I got to talk about the drummer too. Kenji, yeah. Kenji was, uh, Kenji goes back with me from the balance days. Basically, wow. I've been, I always had these drummers, uh, bands that like, you know, sort of like the Spinal Tap bands where they explode, you know, and they disappear. <laughs> um, especially drummers. And, wow. um, I used to, I was going and I was listening to drummers and it wasn't that Kenji wasn't good enough. You know, there was other people in the band 
that uh, were maybe influencing my my decisions at, at a certain point. So Kenji would come down and try and try out, and you know, I don't know, one reason or another it didn't work. And then finally, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, he's a, he's a New York musician. He you know he plays with a lot of different people. He uh, we ran into each other, and he's and I said. I'm looking for a drummer again. He's like, really? I says, why don't you just, you know, he's tried out so many times. He didn't have to try out. I said, well, let's just, let's just do this. You're, you like, you want to play? And he's like, yes. So he he played in the band, and he's like so passionate. Uh, he's got a groove. You know, it's very important that uh, for me for drummers to have a technical side. But the thing is, it's really they gotta the the, the songs have to stay the same tempos, especially when you're doing stuff like this because. If the if the songs move and get too too fast, mm-hmm. you, then that means all the guitar you know all the parts change. Sure, you know what I mean. So he can play to a click if, if if we need to, and he sticks to it, and he has a great feel. I mean, so I, I you know you're only as good as the as the people you play with. Sure, sounds you know? good. Sounds like a great band. Yeah, awesome. You have a lot of, Fantastic. and they have to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> good times. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's coming up for 2017 have you got any got any plans looking ahead well yeah well 27 you know of course you know i'm working again you, you noticed my records they have a they have a, a few you know it's not like i'm releasing one every six months or a year sure. so and I, the reason why i do that is is because you know life experience i i write from a very personal space so you have to live a little bit to be able to come up with material, especially I don't want the, each record to sound the same. Sure. Each record should sound different. Yeah. So you need a, need a good amount of uh, influence or inspiration somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I've been writing parts. So 2017, I think we'll be recording the next record for sure. Okay. I'm putting, I'm right. So I'm going to spend a lot of time finishing up my ideas almost there to have a, a complete and it's not like i go to into a record and i have 20 songs i go into a, a record and i have 12 songs and that's what goes on the record okay. because it takes painstakingly to write them yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's it but i mean so i'm working on that and uh we're gonna try you know as, as we always do we're gonna we always try and see if we could play as much as we can to go into different areas mm-hmm. we were Fortunate enough this year, we went out to we played in Portland, Oregon, which was great. We played in Dallas again, right. so we're hoping to kind of redo that and, and play in some some different areas to the tour. Very good, excellent. Yeah. And what's the best way for people to keep up to um, keep up with all you're doing? Well, the, we have a website. You know, it's it's robalducci dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also um, on um, you know Instagram. It's robalducci on Twitter. It's at robalducci yeah. and you know, I have a personal page, but you know, when this whole thing started out, I didn't. I was doing the Rob Balducci, and not as a personal page, as a band page. But yeah. it filled up, so now there's that, and there's also the Rob Balducci band page. Okay. So please, you can like. Uh, please, anyone that's listening, please like that page, and uh, that's where you can kind of keep up with us. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, Rob, thanks so much for your time today. It's been so fun talking to you and finding out about your career and. All the stories, good stuff. Thank you. I hope I didn't curse or anything too much, did I? No, all good. All good. All good. We'll, uh, okay. All good. We'll, we'll bleep anything anyway for the kids, but um, no, you were you are a perfectly uh, you're a gentleman, Rob. It's all, it's all great. Now, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. It's been great to meet you. And um, just before 
before we started recording the interview, you mentioned you're in Melbourne a couple of years ago. Um, if you're ever heading down this way again, please let us know. We'd love to uh, catch up in person and come and see you play. That would be great. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Rob. Have a great day. And uh, yeah, I hope to, hope to talk again sometime. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, there you go. There's my conversation with Rob Balducci. Really good guy. Really, um, yeah, it was lots of fun talking talking with Rob. And uh, it's such a great player and and really cool and, and pretty chilled about the whole thing by, by the sounds of things. I would love to see him play live. I hope he does make it back to Australia sometime soon. Of course, if you're in the New York area, he's playing on December the 14th. Check his websites for uh, the venue and times. But um, by the time this interview gets posted, you'll still have a day or two to get yourself organized to catch Rob and his band. All right. Hey, thank you for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. So much fun bringing these interviews to you. Remember, we're on Instagram and Facebook, so you can check us out there. You can go to guitarspeakpodcast at libsyn.com. And you can check out all our um, previous interviews, including one with Andy Timmons, as was mentioned. Um, and Johnny Balmer, that's up there as well. Lots of really, really good things going on. All right, lots of good interviews coming up as well. So please um, connect with us on some of that social media and then you'll know exactly what's coming up and in terms of new interviews. Or you know, just subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and then uh, you can just get this delivered to you every episode. That's an easy way to do it. If you're enjoying the episodes, please consider sharing them around your social media. That really helps us get the word out. And uh, if you can drop a review uh, on iTunes, that's also fantastic. And we really, really appreciate it. Okay, well, thanks again. We'll catch you next time on the Guitar Speak podcast. Bye now.